This is The Podcast Method, episode number 14. It's a show about podcasting, recording, audio and video equipment, software, mic technique, pre- and post-production workflows, and more. And I am Dan Benjamin, and it is an awesome day, and I'm glad to be here, and I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about what else? Podcasting, right? That's what you're here for. I was recently at a really cool conference that they hold. It's amazing that podcasting has grown so much that we have conferences about it that are well-attended. Uh, where the rooms are full and, uh, and and you get amazing people like Mark Marin speaking. Of course, I'm talking about Podcast Movement, which took place in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. And it was a great time. They asked me to to speak and I, I talked about the future of podcasting in the sense a little bit kind of heavy on the, the future of podcasting as a business. There are a few people out there who've been doing podcasts as as a business the way that I have for as long as I've been doing it. And, uh, and they wanted me to talk about that, the trials and tribulations, if you will, of, of podcasting full time. And it has changed so much. It's changed so much in the last year. It's changed a lot in the last six months. I won't get into too many details about it because there's a lot of other stuff I want to cover. And many of you have reached out to me to say, Hey, I, I love the show. Talk a little bit less about podcast sponsorships, please. And talk a little bit more about, about the nitty gritty of just making great shows. And, uh, and so that's what I'm going to do today. But before I jump into, into that part, I do just want to say, I think people who are in podcasting to make money are, are in it for the wrong reason. I think it's possible for you to make money and it may be possible for you to make a living podcasting. However, I think people are really realizing that the true potential for podcasts isn't so much I'm going to go and do some shows and make some money. It's No, it's not that. It's I can go and make some really great content using spoken word in an affordable way, in a way that's a whole lot of fun, in a way that really connects with listeners, with your audience. And as my friends who are now doing podcasts as part of their business or for their business have told me, it generates more traffic uh, to their business. It generates more leads, if you will, to their business. So I think people are really seeing the potential of podcasts. I hate to use the term for marketing purposes, but they're, they're definitely realizing the value of podcasts to enhance and improve their business in ways that maybe even a year ago they didn't realize were possible. At the same time, I think advertiser interest in podcasts has really changed. I think advertisers are going obviously for the biggest best and most popular uh, measured by downloads and most influential measured by um, by uh, return on investment, then, then they are just saying, let's sponsor shows because they're good. And that's a big change. It makes sense. Sponsors are smart to say, we want to return on our investment. We want to be able to quantify and measure those things. Uh, so really, uh, sponsors are being smart. What the end result is, is that you and your show may not get sponsored, but that's okay you have things like Patreon and you have things like, you know, doing a show that will lead to more business for you. It's a wonderful way to talk. It's a wonderful way to connect with your listeners, to put great content that, that you're passionate about out there. And it's also a really great way to, uh, to connect with potential clients, potential uh, business partners. So there's so many good reasons on the business side to do it, even if you're not getting sponsored. And hey, if you're just in it for fun, if you're just in it because you're here to talk about something that you're really passionate about with people who are also passionate about it, then uh, don't worry about it at all. We're going to help you find some really cool gear and some really affordable stuff 
and, uh, and, and make it easy for you to get that show out there. And that's, that's really the point of all this. I would like to say thank you, though, before we get into it, to an amazing sponsor, a longtime sponsor, and one that I'm certainly proud to have because I wear their glasses, and I've been wearing their glasses since, uh, since before they were a sponsor, since before uh, there was even a 5x5, I think. Warby Parker, that's who I'm talking about. They make really awesome contemporary glasses that are very affordable and what, what they call fashion forward. It's funny because in a lot of ways, you might describe these glasses as being a little bit retro if people still use that word today. These are closer to the glasses that were popular years ago, and they're great because they have all the modern conveniences that you want from a pair of glasses. They're lightweight. They're great, and they start at just 95 bucks, including your prescription lenses, but they make glasses, they make reading glasses, they make sunglasses, and you do all of this online. Wait a second. Wait a second. How am I supposed to pick out glasses and decide which ones I want to spend $95 on if I can't try them on? Warby Parker, how can you, oh, they've got that figured out. Yes, they do. They have this really cool thing called the Home Try-On Program. They send you five frames for five days. You get to try them on, take pictures, show it to your friends, wear them around the house, see what they look like, and pick your favorites. Then you send all five pairs back. They do a prepaid thing. You don't pay anything for that. And then once you picked out which frames that you want to use, you go to warbyparker.com slash podcast method, warbyparker.com slash podcast method, and you will get free three-day shipping on your final frame choice, which is awesome. And you know what? Buy a pair, give a pair. For every pair of glasses sold, Warby donates a pair of glasses to someone in need. How awesome is that? So go get yourself some three free three-day shipping at warbyparker.com slash podcast method. And uh, we appreciate it. I appreciate it. And, and, and you guys doing that keeps this show going. So thanks very much to Warby for making the show possible. A lot of people have been asking me, Dan, where is this system? that you've been working so hard on? What is the status of the secret podcast tracking hosting platform? Well, the good news is it's pretty much done. We are just polishing it and making it ready. And and remember, this is the sum total of everything that I learned in a career of doing software development and, and, uh, and system administration and hosting. I mean, I was lucky enough to have some really cool jobs building content management and publishing tools. And that's what I did. I ran a business doing that for, for something like eight years. And I, I eventually became like CTO of a hosting company. And I was really into building these kinds of tools and doing this kind of stuff. And this is what I wound up building for 5x5. Five five. I wound up building it and using it. And we, it's been in production really with regular enhancements and improvements every day since 2009. I still roll up my sleeves and write code every, almost every day. But what I decided to do is, you know what? A lot of people could really benefit from having these kinds of tools. A lot of people would really enjoy having the kinds of uh, publishing tools, the kinds of data storage, the kind of tracking, the, the, the stuff that I've built and have been using every single day. People would want that. And I announced it on this show and I've talked about it on Twitter. I'm at Dan Benjamin on Twitter if you have questions. And... I felt like, you know what, let's just take this thing and, and, and roll it out and build a service that's going to let people get really, really great tracking for their downloads. So if they just want to know how many downloads they're getting, cool. 
if they want to put it in front of a sponsor and say, look, here are the downloads, the same stuff five by five uses. You can trust our numbers. Well, you're going to have that. But I decided to also expand it out and, and do the hosting stuff too. What if people don't want to have to host their files somewhere else? Well, then they don't have to, we'll do that too. So we've been, been just putting the, the, uh, the polish on all of this and it, we are, we are weeks away now from being able to come out with this. So if you've been holding out, I appreciate it. If you haven't been, no big deal. We're going to, uh, we're going to have some importers that'll let you import right from some of the other, uh, hosting solutions that are out there. If you want to give ours a try and kick the tires. Anyway, I'm very excited about it. And I would love it if, uh, you guys who are the, 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 the loyal listeners, you're going to get the first shot at it because I'm going to talk about it here before I talk about it anywhere else. And of course the Patreon folks, uh, patreon.com slash five by five, anyone who has supported me and the hard work that we do at five by five, uh, they'll, they'll get a first shot at it. So anyway, that's an update on that. Thanks to everybody who asked me and I probably get asked every day on Twitter. So hopefully that answers some of your questions. And now let's go and talk about some of these great questions that you guys have asked on Twitter and at topics at five by five TV. We'll start with this one that just came in right before I started the show, asked by Christopher Schmidt, who is Teleject on Twitter. Says, looking for a solid mic holder for podcasting at my desk. Now, he says, any recommendations? Now, let me tell you, there are some really, you have so many options when it comes to desktop mic stands. There are just so many. I like a heavy-duty desktop mic stand at the expense of something that looks really, really cool. I will defer to something that is really, really sturdy and really, really trustworthy. And I first saw these uh, while I was watching the Dan Patrick show, and they had some of these in their studio. I like to use a, a nice, big, heavy mic like a Shure SM7B, or in this case, what I'm talking to you on today is the Telefunken M82. Love the Telefunken uh, M82. It's it's the best mic for me. And it, but it's a heavy mic. And you know what? The Heil PR40 with a big uh, with a big shock mount on it. That's a heavy mic too. All these get heavy. So so what? Shouldn't a desktop mic stand be able to support it? Well, no. Unfortunately, not necessarily. That a lot of them don't. A lot of them will fall over if you have a mic with a big boom on it. They'll just fall over or they'll put it up upright in a, in a position that's not very natural. So the one that the, the mic stand that I really like, I think I've talked about it here before, and I definitely have it on podcastmethod.co, is the Proline MS112 Desk Boom Mic Stand. It is not cheap. It is $32. That's not that bad, right? Well, yeah, but considering that you can get like an on-stage mic stand for 12 bucks, this seems very expensive, but it is a solid heavy duty thing. And the bottom of it is like cast iron. That thing is not going anywhere. You can have full extension on that boom arm and put that thing anywhere on your desk and get it out of the way. And it's just, it's fantastic. We've got three or four of these here in the studio. We use them all the time. We can put any of our mics on them and we never have to worry that they're, they're going to fall over really rock solid. And uh, so I highly recommend those that will be in the show notes. Again, show notes are going to be at uh, 5x5.tv slash podcast method slash 1-4. So you'll see that there and go check that out. That's a really, really great, great one. So Christopher, hope that works for you. Uh, Rob, who's at Rob Attrell on Twitter, 
says, finally got the equipment necessary to monitor myself. As expected, you're so right night and day. What's he talking about? He is talking about the fact that I said, it is very, very important for you to listen to yourself as you record. A lot of people say, oh, I don't like the sound of my own voice. I don't think it's that you have a bad voice. I don't think it's that you uh, you don't like the sound of your own voice. I think you're simply not used to hearing your own voice the way that other people hear your voice. It sounds very, very different when you hear your own voice the way that other people hear it. You're used to hearing it from your inner ear through the vibration of your own ear, through the vibration of your own uh, skull. It sounds very different. So to hear it the way that other people hear it, that is just your regular voice as it's projected, it doesn't sound like you, right? It is a jarring feeling at first. You will get used to that. You'll get used to it very quickly. And monitoring yourself is critical. I've gone into why many, many times. I won't, I won't go into it too much now today. Just, just to say, it's worth monitoring uh, yourself. You will be able to check your volume. You'll be able to check your uh, proximity to the microphone to make sure that you're not talking into it too much and that you're not talking to it off mic. I barely moved just now. But if I wasn't monitoring myself, I might not have realized that I had shifted off mic or gotten too close. Very important. Trust me. Just do it. Now, somebody else asked me a question. They said uh, that they are experiencing latency when they are monitoring themselves, and it's really jarring and throwing them off. What they're talking about is if, you, if you're monitoring yourself and you hear a slight echo, that's called latency. It's where the sound that you're hearing is just slightly behind what you're saying. It sounds like a little bit of a reverb or a little bit of an echo, and it's very distracting, and it's terrible. And uh, in fact, one of the people who asked me most recently is a J.D. Davis, who's at I am J.D. Davis on Twitter from Corpus Christi, Texas, not far from here. How do you deal with latency from a USB mic? And the one that uh, the J.D. is using is a Rode Podcaster, which is a great dynamic USB mic. I can notice a long delay when trying to monitor. Well, that is because with many of these USB mics, as with USB mics in general, there is going to be a latency. So if you're plugged into your computer and your, your headphones are into your computer and you're recording, you're going to hear your guest, of course, but you're also going to hear yourself. But because USB is not the fastest connection in the world, at least not older style USBs, which most of the mics still are, it, there is going to be latency. Of course, the mic manufacturers know that. So they usually have a little headphone jack in the microphone itself. The Rode, uh, Rode Podcaster is one of these uh, that, ha- that has that. I know that the Blue Yeti has it. Most of them have that. The um, Samsung uh, or Samson uh, CO1U uh, also has that. And that's because they understand that there will be latency with USB. So here's how they get around that. When you plug your microphone right into, uh, when you plug your headphones right into that microphone, you are going to have zero latency because you're monitoring the signal right from the mic right into your headphones. So there's no latency at all. And since it's USB, they've gotten smart and they've said, you know what you can do? You can set that as the speaker, as the output, so that when you're talking to someone over Skype or however you guys like to record, you will hear their voice coming through those headphones. And I mentioned this to JD and JD said, well, I was doing it because I I figured that the, uh, you know, I wanted to monitor at the highest level. I wanted to monitor with the best quality. And I figured that 
the input from my computer would be the best quality. When in fact, that's not totally true. Uh, the, the, the best quality might actually be the headphone jack in your microphone. Pretty interesting. So consider that and uh, you, can, you can use that to your advantage. Plug right in and avoid the latency. Ben Phelps, who is at Ben Phelps Films on Twitter, asks a few questions, but mainly what he's going after is, how is it that you add your effects and processing when you're in post-production on a podcast? Do you add them all to the, to the whole track that's been you know, exported all together on the master track, or do you add them individually to each of the separate tracks? Uh, each track, of course, for the different guests or speak, you know, people speaking on your podcast. And of course, in, in my case, when we're here using Logic or Pro Tools, usually Logic these days, you're going to want to put that on each individual track. So you're going to want to put an EQ on each track. You're probably going to want to put on a Dynamics Compressor, which we talked about back, I think, in Episode 2. You're going to want to do, if you're doing a limiter, you're going to want to put it there. Each of the different things, and you'll find that different people, depending on how they've recorded and what kind of mic they're using and what their mic technique is, you may or may not even need to do any post-processing at all. Now, I always recommend, at the very least, a little bit of EQ. Everyone can benefit from some EQ. And a little bit of, uh, of a Dynamics compressor, just a little. I can't really think of a situation where you're going to find a track that doesn't need at least some EQ and at least a little bit of compression. Even in the best case scenario, you're going to need that. But I always do these separately and individually on each tracks, right? Because somebody who may record a lot and has a really good microphone and a really good recording, they're going to need different effects processing than the person who is like sitting at home on a, on a, on a crummy little headset talking in their iPhone headset with the dog barking in the background and the air conditioner running. They're going to need way different EQ and way different compression and way different settings. Another thing that I'll just mention when it comes to editing, and this is a, this is a common mistake. It's a mistake made so often. And uh, unfortunately we and everyone's guilty of it from one time or another. And that is just going in and setting the volume levels of each track. You need to do this and you need to be very careful with it. It's not enough to EQ. It's not enough to put compression on. You have to sit there and, and make sure that in the final mix, that those volume levels of everybody that's on your show, whether it's you and one other person or you and 10 other people, that those volume levels are the same. Otherwise, someone's voice is going to sound small and they're going to they're gonna seem left out of the show. You, you've got to be very careful. That's why having really good headphones is so important. I am a big fan of, and I've, I've said this before, of the Sony MDR7506s. And the reason that I like them is because they're the industry standard. And they're the industry standard for a reason. They're affordable. They can take a decent amount of abuse. And they sound really good and true for the point of, of editing. You've got to have good headphones on. And I challenge you, take crummy headphones and mix down your show. And then take good headphones and you'll see, wow, I should have done this here. I should have added more EQ there. I should have not compressed it like this. Uh, all of those things are, uh, are going to be surprises for you when you mix with anything but decent headphones. And these headphones are not cheap. I mean, they're a hundred bucks. So, you know, music sounds pretty good through them. 
but they're not really for that. They're for editing. They're for making, you know, hearing the differences. And I remember I tested somebody recently, uh, our, our intern. I said, uh, you know, try editing this show. And they edited it. And later when we listened, she said, wow, I, these tracks are not, you know, they're, they're, they're not balanced out. I said, yeah. I said, listen to them through these old headphones. And she said, yeah, I can't really tell a difference. I said, now, now try the Sony's. And she put the MDRs on and said, whoa, what a huge difference. I can hear the levels are off and this needs this and this needs that. So that's something I would encourage you to try, especially if people are ever saying, your audio quality is not that great. Or, man, the people on your show, they're all at different levels. And you're like, sounds all right to me. I don't know what you're talking about. Take off your iPhone headset to throw away your cheap, your cheap uh, headphones and put on some good ones. And you will find that there is indeed a big difference in quality. Speaking of quality, let me tell you about Squarespace. It's the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Sites look professionally designed on Squarespace, regardless of what your skill level is. You don't have to write any code. You have to learn any tools of like, how do I, I have to spend two weeks? No, intuitive, easy use tools. State-of-the-art technology powering your site. And that's going to ensure security and stability. Trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world. Squarespace hosting starts at just 8 bucks a month if you use our code. The code will get you 10% off your first purchase and it will show support for the podcast method. Squarespace.com slash podcast method. And the code is podcast method, one word. 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. It's true. Go check out squarespace.com slash podcast method. Get yourself that discount and uh, no credit card required. Jump in there and build an amazing website. Build one for your podcast. Build one for your band. Build one for your iOS app. Build one for you. Check them out. Squarespace.com. Celine Roque, Celine, Celinus, C-E-L-I-N-U-S on Twitter says, you've got a great rapport with the people you do shows with. How do you achieve or find that kind of relationship? Great question. Uh, it, it comes from, I think, two things. The first is I'm very lucky in that the people that I host shows with uh, in real life, we are, we are friends or colleagues at the very least, and we have a good rapport. And obviously, I would say that that's a requirement Absolute requirement if you're planning on hosting or co-hosting a show with somebody. You absolutely need to have that good rapport. And you can tell right away if you have it. You can tell if you have it on a phone call. You can tell if you have it on a Skype call. You can tell if you have it if you've met the person in, in the flesh. You will know, oh man, that was a really good conversation we just had. You'll know it. And if you don't know it, or if it's not there, you can't fabricate it. I've done so many interviews, pipeline interviews, conversation interviews, and elsewhere. And you know, like halfway through the interview, I'm like, mm, this is a good interview, but I, like, I know I just don't really, it's not like I don't get along with the person as much as it just that chemistry isn't there. And that's okay. You can still have a really good interview where you're asking the person important questions. They're giving great answers. And you say, thank you. What a great experience this was. And you're done. And you release a really good interview. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You're not going to fall in love with every single person you talk to. But in order to do a show with somebody that you're going to do hopefully every week 
or every couple weeks. That is a completely different situation and you must have, you must enjoy talking to that person. You know, it's interesting. I've often heard that like people like Penn and Teller, they're not necessarily friends. They don't dislike each other, but they're not friends when they're not performing together. That doesn't mean they don't like each other. It simply means they're not necessarily hanging out together. And that's quite all right. I, I don't know if that's true in the case of Penn and Teller or not. But I think that that's typical in these working scenarios where you find someone who you may work together very, very well with, but you may or may not get along or love each other's company off the air or off the stage or behind the scenes. You don't have to. You simply need to know that you work very well with that person on the air when it counts and that you have a good time and that you look forward to it. I happen to know like uh, Jeff Kanata and Anthony Carboni who do a wonderful podcast called We Have Concerns. Uh, they are friends uh, both in person, together, and it's evident that they're super good friends on the show. They love hanging out together. They do tons of stuff to, together on shows and in person, and it really comes across. You can tell that they're friends both on and off the air, but that's not a requirement. What is a requirement is that you have really good chemistry with the person. So I don't jump in and say, let's do a show together. Let's do a show together unless I know that that chemistry is already there. It has to already be there and it has to already be there uh, exponentially to make a show that that will carry across enough for other people to really uh, feel that and enjoy that. And so I think a good example of that is John Roderick's show that I do with him. He is uh, very good friends with Merlin Mann, who he's known for many years. And I've been a big fan of Roderick on the line. And I was lucky enough to meet John Roderick about a year ago at XOXO in Portland. And we talked a little bit. He'd subbed for a couple episodes of uh, Back to Work when Merlin was uh, busy doing something else, taking a, taking working on a project. And I got to meet him in person. And we really hit it off. And we had a fun time. We had a couple great conversations. And then he had an opportunity to fill in to, for Back to Work again. And afterwards, I said, listen, I said, we have, I, I don't know about you, but I have a great time doing shows. He's like, yeah, I love it. I said, maybe, maybe we could consider doing a show together. And he said, I would love to do. So we, uh, we decided to start a show called Roadwork. And it is a really, really great show. If you're a fan of John, it's, a, it's an amazing show. But we talk about so many things, and it's just a very natural conversation. And John is such an amazing storyteller. It really reminds you how wonderful a medium podcasting is for storytelling. We don't go into it with an agenda. We don't go into it with show notes, although I, I will frequently have topics and questions for him. But it's it's so not produced in the way that like a daily news show or a weekly news show is produced. It's not a scripted show. It's just something we go into purely for the for the fun of talking to one another. And uh, and so I'm I'm super, super privileged and excited about having that show. It's called Roadwork. I'd love for you to listen to it. But that's an example of somebody like John who just can tell these amazing stories where you become captivated in what he has to say and, and the way that he tells the story. And uh, and so, again, like if, if he and I hadn't met in person and we hadn't hung out and, and talked multiple times, I don't think the show would be what it is. I don't think it would have that the natural feeling of what I hope is two friends just talking to each other. That's what you want to capture and that's what's so important to try to capture when you're uh, when you're making uh, a show that w you know, with somebody else that you plan to do week after week after week. Third Truck, at Third Truck, who is J.C. Holder on Twitter, asks, 
How do you manage all of your project files, for example, Dropbox, and coordinate with post-production crew? Great question. Great question. Because a lot of the shows that are on 5x5, we may edit them, we may produce them, but they're going to be created by somebody else, right? They're recorded by other people who then have to get those files to us to edit, or they may edit them themselves. Dropbox is such a great way to do that these days. It seems like it's ubiquitous. Everyone seems to have a Dropbox account, right? It's so much better than SFTPing files up to a server somewhere and having to maintain some web interface that lets people upload stuff. Dropbox is just there. You can share the link. They grab it. So that's my number one recommendation. If you're having to work with other folks, you're recording a double ender. That's where uh, you and the people that you're co-hosting with all record your own uh, your own uh, sides of the conversation. And then again, my recommendation is to use something like Ecamm Call Recorder to record and use as a reference so that you can you can line up those separate uh, audio files and avoid audio drift, very important. But if you're, if you're doing that, using Dropbox is a fantastic way to get it all together. But typically there aren't that many project files. Let's say that each person is recording their own end and you have three people. Well, then you're only dealing with a total of four files, one for each audio person, and then one reference one that has everybody contained in it. That helps you avoid that audio drift like I just mentioned. Then you're going to open those up in the editor of your choice. I like Logic. The reason I like Logic, it's affordable. It's from Apple, and it's their primary audio editing product, and it's going to be supported for a long time. It doesn't require a hardware key like Pro Tools does so that you can install it on your laptop and you can install it on your desktop and uh, you have a license to use it in multiple places, not maybe at the same time, but you're legit to install it on all of your computers. You don't have to run around with a little USB key to unlock it, which is easy to forget, especially if you're going on a trip. Uh, so it's a great solution for those reasons. And you know, then what do you do? You open up those tracks, you align them in Logic, and you start editing. That's really all there is to it. As far as uh, little details like, well, how do you add the MP? How do you add the ID three tags to the MP three? How do you add the cover artwork to the MP three? How do you manage all that? Well, the CMS does that for me. I built that into it. So all you have to do is, at least if you're going to be using our system eventually, and all I have to do is just add that image and it will automatically add that cover art. It'll automatically add the ID3 tags like the title and the description and the keywords and the author and the copyright. It adds all of that to the MP3 file after you upload it. So you never have to do that on your own machine. Super handy, especially if you're doing as many shows as we are. Uh, so the, really, our workflow is pretty simple. You just record, export, and upload to the CMS and let it chew up that file and do everything that needs to happen behind the scenes after you bounce it. Tony Porreco, P-O-R-R-E-C-O on Twitter, says, Tweet one of two. I want to upgrade my podcast rig for more control over host guest volume in post. What hardware do I need to record each track on its own separately into Logic. Thanks so much. What you need is, I recommend, a digital mixer. And there's a lot of mixers out there. Or a digital audio interface. And these days, they're Thunderbolt. But a lot of the time, they're actually Firewire and you use a Thunderbolt adapter. There are some USB interfaces that have multiple tracks uh, they're harder to find than the FireWire ones. And FireWire, a.k.a. Thunderbolt these days, right? No one has a FireWire port on their computer. 
But uh, the Thunderbolt ones generally can support many, many more tracks, and they do it with zero latency. Whereas USB, even the fastest USB ones that are available, there can sometimes be a little bit of latency. Uh, so I recommend the Firewire Thunderbolt ones. Uh, the, the Sapphire Pro 24 and up, all of those are really, really great. You can also go with a Mackie mixer that has a Firewire interface on it, although I'm, I'm now not really recommending those except, you know, if, if it has, if it's a big board with faders on it and you're not doing a lot of live performance work, I would actually recommend you go with something purely digital. And I have been heavily recommending the Sapphire uh, Pro 24 and, and that line because those things are just amazing with one tiny little blue box on your desk. And they also make a USB version that's a little less expensive. You can have, you know, like several guests coming in remotely. You can control their volume and real time with the faders right on your screen. That thing is super easy to take with you if you have a portable rig or a portable setup or a limited space. It sits right on your desktop. It doesn't need to be rack mounted. It doesn't have tons of real life faders and you don't have cables flying around everywhere. I love these things. And these are absolutely the future of home recording, small studio recording, podcasting. I just, I love these devices. I'll put some of them in the show notes. Again, that's uh, 5x5.tv slash podcast method slash 14. And I uh, just couldn't recommend these things more. Now, that I, that's just what I like. That's my favorite brand. There are plenty of other devices, but what you need to look for are a, an audio interface device. Again, FireWire, Thunderbolt's number one. USB would be the second choice. But these things... You have to make sure that they have multiple uh, inputs as well as multiple auxiliary outputs. You need an auxiliary output for every single remote guest that you have. The reason is you're going to use minus mix or mix minus to send a signal back to them that they hear that does not include their own audio. So let me sort of paint this picture one more time. I've talked about it before, but it's important enough to to wor- you know make it worth mentioning again, and that is. If you are interviewing a remote guest or more than one remote guest, let's say you have two remote guests and you're going through the Sapphire Pro 24, let's say, you're going to have to send the audio back to them so they can hear you and so that they can hear the other guest that's not them. You do not want to send them back their own audio, though, because if you do talk about latency, they will hear themselves echoing back at themselves And in fact, they can start this little feedback loop where they'll hear themselves and then that might get picked up by their microphone and that'll send back and you get this echo that just never ends. That's bad. You don't want to send that back to them. So you want to create a mix minus their own audio input. You send that back to them and then they don't hear themselves and everything is uh, is peachy. So that's what you do. And the only way to do that is through an auxiliary output. You can't just send the headphone jack back out to them. For example, you can't just send the combined audio of everybody because their audio mix will be in it now this is less of a problem if you're planning on recording and everyone's in the same studio and they all are hearing each other in real time and they have headphones on then don't worry about it but if you're ever going to have a remote guest you need to be able to send uh, an auxiliary out so something to keep in mind if you get a mixer that has you know eight channels on it it's most likely not going to have eight auxiliary sends as well it may have two it may have four So just make a note to check the number of auxiliary sends when you're deciding on what that equipment is so that you know ahead of time, okay, even though I've got eight different channels here, eight different inputs here, I can only send two or four signals back out. So that's going to limit the number of remote guests that that you might be able to have. 
And of course, I should specify, those remote guests are all going to be on separate computers. That means you're going to need to have, if you want two remote guests, you're going to need to have two spare computers sitting around for you to plug into that mixer or that audio interface to run Skype or whatever software you like. I recommend Skype has the best dynamic range so that you can record those remote guests. There are plenty of people who just said, whoa, wait a minute, you're telling me I need to buy this audio interface and I need to now buy separate computers and all the right cables to hook them up. Why can't I just record a Skype phone call? That's all I want to do. You can. The quality won't be as good, but you still can do that. Or you can take something that, although it's not as convenient and time-saving as recording everybody all at once yourself, you can have everybody record their own end of the conversation. That's the double-ender that I referred to before. You record the unified conversation and use that as audio and visual reference guides to make sure that uh, everyone else's audio lines up perfectly. You can do that. You should do that, especially if money is a concern. But if you're at the point where you can afford to get a couple of really old Mac minis or really old mini PCs or something like that, anything that has an audio input and output and can run Skype will do. And you can you can afford to do that. Then you get yourself quite a professional uh, podcasting setup. Now, there's one last tool that I would like to mention. One last thing that I would like to tell you about that is a lifesaver. It's a lifesaver. I'm going to tell you about it right after I tell you about our last sponsor. It's Linda. This episode is brought to you by Lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A, Lynda.com, the online learning platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. They've got tons of stuff that's useful for people who are podcasting, people who are in audio video production, or people who want to be and don't know anything about it. Linda is your ace in the hole, I'm telling you. Audio recording techniques, audio mastering techniques, foundations of audio EQ and filters. Music Production Secrets, Logic Pro 10 Essential Training, Pro Tools 11 Essential Training, Podcasting with GarageBand 3, Maximizing Your Web Video and Podcast Audience with Hyper Syndication, all of this stuff, you get all of these courses, you get all of them and more, you get all 3,000. If you go to lynda.com slash podcast method, you get access to them for free for 10 days. Imagine what you could learn in 10 days without paying anything. I bet you'll like it, I bet you'll like it a lot, and I bet you'll learn a lot. So go check it out. You can watch these, download them to your iOS or Android device, watch them on your computer. Unlimited access, tons of topics. Lynda.com slash podcast method. Thanks for them for making the show possible. What's the big secret? Guess what? It's this little thing called Levelator. It is from a company called The Conversations Network. And after 2012, they stopped supporting it. It is not being supported or updated and it was like donationware. They don't even accept donations for it anyway. It's an abandoned, it's abandonware, I guess you could call it. But guess what? It still works. It works just fine. You can get it if you have Windows XP, Vista 7. I guess it works on 10. I haven't tried it. Works for Mac. You can even get it for Linux. And it's this little, it's a one screen thing. You drag, you drag the file on top of it and it just, flashes and blinks and goes crazy for about a, a minute or two. And when it's done, it delivers an audio file that has been what they would call levelated. What does that mean? They have their own like secret compression EQ normalization technique that happens behind the scenes that makes your audio file sound better. 
What does it do? No one knows. How does it work? No one's sure. Should you use it all the time? No. I would recommend against using it most of the time. I know some people that use it on every single audio file that they ever release. I prefer doing EQ and compression in a traditional way uh, with your audio editing tool. You know, like Pro Tools, GarageBand, Logic. But sometimes there's just not that much you can do or you do everything you can and you think, man, it still doesn't sound good. I'll give you an example. We recently had an episode of DLC that was recorded live at PAX. This is a show that's hosted by Jeff Kanata and his friend Christian Spicer. And they were at PAX and they did the show live. And they went to the people at PAX and they said, hey, can you record this show for us? And uh, the people at PAX said, of course, like we know what we're doing, we'll record it. Somehow they recorded it through their mixing board in some way. And what they sent us was a left channel only MP3 file or WAV file. All the tracks had been, so all the people that they talked to, their guests, everything else, crowd noise, everything, all just on one left channel. That was it. And somehow we had to turn that into a podcast. Somehow we had to make that sound at least decent enough for you guys to listen to and uh, not want to throw tomatoes. So we edited it down as best we could and used the tools and techniques that we knew in Logic. And it sounded okay. It didn't sound great. It sounded okay. I said, you know what? Can't hurt. Let's chuck it at the levelator and see what happens. So we took that file and we ran it through Levelator and it came out and it sounded much better. Much better. In fact, it was almost listenable. I thought, okay, cool. Levelator saved the day. I know people, like I said, who will run every single file through Levelator even after they've compressed and EQ'd and done all that stuff. I think that's overkill. But one, you know what? If you don't have access to those kind of tools, if you're editing with, uh, with free software like Audacity which is perfectly good editing software, or you're, you just don't have time to try and master you know, the, the delicate art of compression and normalization, and you're thinking about just releasing the file without doing anything to it, please run it through Levelator first. And you never know when Levelator might be able to save the day. So that's a little tip that I wanted to share. I'm not a big fan of just, I push it through Levelator, but if, if you think that there's a reason to really try it and do it, compare the difference. Listen to it and see how it works. Sometimes it can work wonders for you. So that's my last uh, tip of the day. If you would like to, you can talk to me on Twitter and ask me your questions there. I love getting questions on Twitter. Don't be shy. I am at Dan Benjamin on Twitter. Even better, use the hashtag podcast method so that other folks who follow along with that hashtag will be able to see your question and chime in if, if they know the answer. If you would like to, you can support me and this show and 5x5 by becoming a Patreon supporter. Patreon, it's spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash 5x5. Donate a dollar, donate a thousand dollars, whatever you want. We appreciate it. Every little bit helps. And if you donate there, you get to be a member of the secret 5x5 Jackals Slack where you can talk to me. I hang out in there all day. We can talk about podcasting. We talk about barbecue and comics and you name it. And uh, that's a great fun place to be. And all Patreon supporters get to be a part of that. So thanks to everybody who's done that. Go check out our sponsors. And uh, we'll be back soon with a new episode. Thanks so much for listening. 